This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Sona, how's your sock drawer looking? It's messy. There's a lot of single socks. Yep. I think it's time for a little spring cleaning. Oh. <laughs> Check out Bombas. Once you try a pair, you'll never look at socks the same way again. I should know. I like my Bombas. Their spring collection has new garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. My feet have never been to a party. <laughs> They've so got sad. stripes and florals and new vintagey colored rib socks. You know, when I'm wearing Bombas, I feel like my feet are being caressed okay. and cared for in a way they never have been in my life. Hmm. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash Conan and use code Conan for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Conan and use code Conan at checkout. <laughs> Hi, my name is Reggie Watts. And I feel quixotic about Ooh. being Conan O'Brien's friend. Very nice. I love that. No one's used that word yet. I don't think it's been used on the podcast. On the earth in at least wow. 20 years. <laughs> on the earth. Yeah, that's true. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are gonna be friends Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends Okay, ready when you are. And even when you're not, it's Betty Crocker's Ready to Mix Frosting. Hey there, welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. <laughs> I came in hot. I think there are days where I come in hot, and today I am uh, nuclear-fueled Conan. Had a good workout this morning. Oh. Yep, lifted a lot fit? of... Well, thank you very much. You don't just get a body like mine. You need to really abuse yourself. <laughs> Sona, good to see you. Nice to see you too. You did come in hot because yeah. we were laughing and you're like, no one can laugh without me. When I hear laughter in a room I'm not in, I suspect fraud. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like a company that couldn't possibly make that. It just doesn't seem right. I'm always like, what? Laughter? And I'm not there? <laughs> this must be some, someone's, something just is fundamentally wrong. So I came rushing in here. Yeah. Uh, and then I guess Gourley was chuckling everybody. <laughs> I was just telling them something that you had said earlier that was so funny. Ah, I was just there we go. There we go. Yeah. All right. Well, that makes sense. I'm satisfied. <laughs> My name is Joy Killer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? Laughter? I must go crush it. Make it about me. Yeah. Uh, I just noticed uh, Sona's wedding ring. Yeah. Yeah, I was just about to hit on you. No. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say it was your hand was out and it was yeah. tilted and it's very nice. Well, Quite a rock. I have um, 
I my fingers got skinnier, mm-hmm. so I have this plastic coil around it, and I've had it there. Can't for... you just go to a jeweler and they can quickly resize it? Well, because I think I'm gonna it's gonna go back up. I'm sure. I oh. think so. I'm just leaving it there, mm, okay. so it's gonna just get bigger. Eventually, the whole ring's just gonna be a plastic coil. I think. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you just lose that? I'll hold on to the actual diamond, and you can just wear a plastic coil. No, no. <laughs> no. you'll get it back at one I point. I don't want to do that. Well, anyway, I just noticed it, and it's uh, it's nice. Thank you. I don't think I ever looked at it really before. Thank you. I actually don't even think I look at you very often. Oh, that's nice. No, no, I, I just I'm just very so focused on me and what yeah, I'm well, doing. Yeah, well, that's clear. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't. Oh, Gorley. Oh, that's me. This is what yeah. I look like. Oh my god. You yeah. usually yeah. have a mirror in front of both of us, uh-huh. just yeah. so you never have to actually. I look make at every us. employee at uh, at Team Coco wear an oval mirror on their face. It's a two way <laughs> mirror, so they can see through it, but you just see yourself. No, I actually am insisting on a one way mirror, so they crash into things <laughs> and ha- get into terrible car accidents. Yeah, it's a mess around here of just it's broken ter- people glass. People are just smashing into the wall all the yeah. time, but I'm happy because I just see me, me, me. <laughs> I'm an opera singer warming up. Me, 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 me. You did come in hot. You're I singing in, a lot too. Yeah, I yeah. sure am. But you I've didn't got come a beautiful in hot. Voice. That usually implies like come in hot. You're grumpy. You're mad. You've got something no. to prove. No, you came in kind of just. You're just living. You're buzzing. You know what? I'm happy. Uh, life is good. Uh, I am happy to be here at the podcast. I'm with some of my favorite people. Hold on, let me put on my glasses. Oh, oh shit, I didn't see who was oh, in the room. Okay. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, okay. No, I thought I was with Jeff Goldblum and the ghost of Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> and then it turns out it's Gorley and Son. I, I apologize. I wish Jeff Goldblum was here. And the ghost of Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, He'd be sure. like, I am yeah. just was at the theater. What the fuck? <laughs> and I'm like, Abe? You really wrote the Gettysburg actor? address and you just said, what the fuck? I know. <laughs> I've told you that uh, sketch I always wanted to write where oh yeah I think I mentioned on the air yeah. once yeah Lincoln is in heaven and he's walking around and he sees a group having a really good time and he goes up to the group because they're all laughing real hard and John Wilkes Booth is at the center <laughs> and everyone's he, and Lincoln's like what the fuck is he doing up here in heaven and they're like you know what he was really good to his mom and, da, da, da. and that night with you was just, he was having an off night <laughs> one off. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he's having an off night and Lincoln's really mad and they're like, come on, Abe. And and then Booth is like, you know, I, Mr. Lincoln, I'm I'm sorry. I don't know what I was thinking, but I am a big fan. <laughs> and he goes to shake Lincoln's hands and Lincoln swats it out of the way. Like, I'm not going to shake your hand. And then everyone else, Aristotle, Gandhi, everybody else is like, whoa, Abe, not cool. <laughs> I had this idea like 25 years ago we and I never wrote it. make this happen because you've mentioned it a few times. I, I feel know. like How does it for end? your birthday. What? Yeah. How does it end? Yeah. Does it have a button? They get into a fight and Booth shoots Lincoln again. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. yeah. And then he goes to second heaven. Yeah. <laughs> but everyone says like, you know, Abe, you were kind of being a dick. And Abe's, uh, so uh, Abe gets sent down to hell. I don't know. I don't know how it ends, but- uh, This has just been spitballed. You've never written it? I've, ta- I've talked to I've talked about talked it a lot. About I have so many sketches in my head that yeah. I never wrote because they just seemed too weird and arbitrary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, that one always amused me. I want to know what something is too weird for you. Because have you seen some of the shit you put on TV? <laughs> uh, I'm t- <laughs> what a nice way to put it. <laughs> You know, I'm going to make sure if I ever if I ever get a major award for my work in comedy, I'm going to have Sona give it to me and she'll do the speech up front. Here they give the award to Conan O'Brien after 90 years in comedy is Sona Obsession. You know, I don't know much about Conan, but have you seen some of the shit he did? I meant that in a loving way. I'm sure you did. In an admiring way. Mm-hmm. 
I just, I'm I don't like your wedding just, ring anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Suddenly, that'll show you. Oh, no. Yeah, I think it's poorly fitted to your finger. There, that'll show you. <laughs> all right, gang, let's all settle down. Okay. I like when I make it sound like we've got to get down to business, and then it's talking to a funny person <laughs> and being idiots. Uh, it, it's not like we're about to start an algebra class. But anyway, my guest today, uh, of course, a talented musician, comedian, and now author with his new memoir entitled Great Falls, Montana, Fast Times, Post-Punk Weirdos, and A Tale of Coming Home Again. Very excited he's here today. Uh, my friend Reggie Watts, welcome. Reggie, you and I got some history, and that's why I'm so thrilled that you're here today. Real history. Yes. Uh, you have written a book, and you have a fantastic story to tell, and you're uh, a very talented and also a very strange fellow, let's mm, just be honest. I mean, sure. the glasses alone, yes. hold up those glasses yes. so our viewers can see, and our listeners. Um, those are, uh, are they hexagons? What are those? They're hexy. They're, They're hexy, hexagons. baby. Yeah. The future's hexy. How many... Uh, now I'm gonna I'm gonna take because I don't I don't know if Matt Gorley Sona knows this but I don't know if Matt knows that Sona was on the tour. Yes, we did this uh, kooky tour, mm -hmm. uh, which was really fun and out there in 2010, and uh, it was a real happening. And we needed someone to open for me on this tour that went all around the United States of America, and uh, we of course we found. Mr. Reggie Watts. Mm -hmm. And Reggie was a great opener for the show and you did an amazing job. And one of the things you did so brilliantly is people were coming to the show, we put it together so quickly that nobody knew what it was. And yeah. I wanted them to know right away, this isn't the show you thought you were going to get. In fact, this is unlike any show you've ever seen. So you can't just have a standard, I just can't have a comedian come out and go, hey everybody, how's it going? <laughs> yeah. How you doing? Hey, what's with the sweater? Well, who died and gave you the sweater because they were dead and didn't need the sweater oh, anymore. That and they guy were... sucks. Oh, that guy's terrible. Yeah, he sucks. He's dead, so he doesn't need the sweater, but the sweater's what fucking killed him. Um, anyway, I amazing. love that comment. That's what that's... It's He's, a great bit. He is good in context. He's very good in context. <laughs> and you should really see the sweater he would go after every night. And it was the same sweater. Oh, oh. Um, plant. It was a plant. Hack, uh, hack, hack. Anyway, we couldn't get that guy. I wanted that guy so badly. His name's Hack B. Hackenstein. We couldn't get him. Uh, no, but but uh, someone had heard of, have you seen Reggie Watts? And uh, you were uh, not a known quantity at the time, but we saw you and you were absolutely exactly what I wanted. And uh, you would, I mean, I can't even describe what you would do, but it was so original and so fun and so interesting and so different that people would come in and they'd see the warm up, and they would think you were there, Sona, yeah. like, oh my God, what is happening? What is this going to be? Uh, and it was great. You were it perfect. It was awesome, yeah. But, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. but you did one thing that completely blew me away, and then I'm gonna let you speak at some point, but I'm just gonna monologue for a while. <laughs> Because it's Reggie Watts, and I'm very excited. <laughs> you would, no matter, we were touring in the summer. It was very hot. Mm -hmm. This gentleman would wear very, very heavy sweaters. Yes. All the time. Always. And lots of corduroy. Yep. And suspenders. Yeah. And layers. And yeah. layers. Yeah. And we would be in Texas. We would be in, you tell me, Georgia. It would be 130 degrees. Yeah. And you would be walking around, you never sweat. 
And then I would be sitting in my dressing room alone doing guitar scales and uh, trying to warm up my vocals for the show and just trying to get ready. And then I would wander down the hallway and I would pass Reggie's dressing room. Mm -hmm. And you will testify that this is true, Sona. I would pass Reggie's dressing room and it was always a happening. Yes. I'm, I would look in the room and there was always about 35 people there. <laughs> Beautiful women, but with like an eye patch, a beautiful woman with an eye patch and a falcon on her shoulder. Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 you know, Tanya. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Tanya. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really Contract did. Just the coolest people I've ever seen. And it was, it was, they were always different. Every time it was different people. Oh, there's a, a German man <laughs> with a miner's helmet and he's got a goat with him but he's also drinking absinthe. <laughs> and it was just this insane collection yeah. of human beings. And they would always look at me like, mm, was is los? <laughs> is dein Conan? And you'd be like, oh, hey, Conan. I'd be like, oh, hey. And you would all be like, a hookah. <laughs> there are doves in the room. <laughs> Prince was there. I don't know, like, you had the, you, it was always a happening. Yeah. You're the coolest guy uh, I've met. Uh. How did you do that? How did you? I, and, and we'd be nowhere. We'd be like, oh, we're here in Tallahassee, and there are those people again. <laughs> and they don't, yeah, I don't did, they, did you fly them in? Uh, I, I don't know how that, I, you know what, really, it had to do with the tour. I mean, who wouldn't want to come and hang out backstage at your <laughs> it, tour? It was people, pretty fun. People were like, what is happening? Like, they were like, as much as you're saying, like, what is happening with this guy? Like, uh, my friends were like, what? what's going on with Conan? It's like, I'm opening for, that's impossible. It's impossible. We, oh, let me come. You know, and I'd yeah. be like, yeah, it was easy. You know, everyone was so excited. It was so weird because we also never knew who was going to be backstage. And whatever, right. uh, whatever state or city we were in, the most famous people from that state or city would show up. Right. And so, you know, we'd be in Seattle and it'd say, oh, uh, you know, Eddie Vedder is going to, Pearl Jam's gonna come do something on the show. And I'd be like, what? And I'd say, this isn't funny. This is hurtful, this prank. And then Eddie Vedder, which, yeah, go ahead. My One of my favorites. And this uh, is Aaron Blair speaking. Yes. Now. I and um, I discourage of, I discourage his interruptions, but go ahead, Aaron. It's, I remember. Uh, uh, and just I, so you know, you'll never be allowed to speak. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, no, no. Okay. I, I know that. I, I saw but it in the contract. That tour, was, that tour was so nuts. I have a specific memory of being in San Francisco and I was uh, backstage, like trying to get from one side of the stage to the other. And there's this very narrow hallway and I'm kind of walking very fast down the hallway and you're talking to somebody and I just go to kind of push this person away. And as I'm about to touch them, I realize you're talking to Neil Young. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll just Yeah, don't wait. you fucking manhandle yeah. Neil yeah. Young. I just waited. But you were such a good, you, I, I don't know. It was one of those, so many things went miraculously right on that tour. And I would say the first thing was, oh, our opener, which was a total Hail Mary, we, it was Reggie Watts. Mm -hmm. And you just set the tone right away. And whatever happened on that crazy tour, you were like, uh-huh, of course this is happening. And then, of course, as I got to know you better throughout the tour, which was a real delight, uh, and I've seen your career uh, blossom so beautifully subsequently, and now you have this book out, I realize that you have this improbable background that kind of made the you coming into that tour feel like, yeah, what else you got? You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't think I don't think a weird situation could be created for you that you couldn't handle. Uh, you know, honestly, that's that's an amazing observation because that's how it feels because mm -hmm. you know, like all the all the stuff that, I did that I chose electively to do, and that was available to me yeah. growing up. 
I mean, that stuff was pretty weird. And I'm going to take people through it quickly just yeah. to set the table. And then obviously I want you to tell this story, but yeah. you are born, you, you're, you, you're born with no citizenship. Okay. Where were you born? I was born in Stuttgart. Stuttgart, Germany. Stuttgart, close to Zuffenhausen. Okay. Well, of course, that goes without saying. Of course. Right near the town of Lederhosen. Of course, Lederhosen, Zuffenhausen, uh, uh, whatever. And uh, your dad uh, was uh, Air Force serviceman, right? Yes. And uh, so you're born, you're, you're a military brat. Mm-hmm. And you move a lot. Yeah, a few times. I will say, like, a lot for the amount of time that we did move. Other friends of mine were like, I was in Oklahoma for two years. Then I went to partial high school and partial junior high. For me, it's like we moved around, we moved to three different, four different countries and then ended up in the United States. So until about about three and a half or four. And you have this experience of you're living in in Europe. Uh, Your parents are a biracial couple. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is very accepted. And then you move to Montana, mm. where there may be a different vibe, I'm guessing. Mm. Yeah. That's, and I'm not that's just guessing, it's, it's in your book. So tell us about that. It was very interesting. I mean, it was, it was a mix of being aware of that and also not. Yeah, are we allowed to cuss on here? Is that, oh, is it, where it's actually that? encouraged. Okay, well, and also, and I, and I also just didn't give a fudge about it. <laughs> That's a little yeah, too harsh. Sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah fudge is. Fudge is not one of our favorite desserts. Can, can, we, can we, meep, we take that can out? We, can yeah. we meep that out? Yeah, yeah. we have a delay. Meep, I love a hot fuck Sunday, but uh, I despise a hot fudge Sunday. It's so close. It's so, so close. Dangerous. I'm telling you, if you haven't had a hot fuck Sunday, <laughs> Ooh, if you haven't lived. Oh, my Lord. My Lord. Let me uh, write down that uh, time so, code. So it's, it's interesting because <laughs> don't you think, and I've always had this theory that growing up kind of it, 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 with the, what many people would describe as the radical instability mm. of mixed race parents, Europe moving constantly in radically different countries, not really sure what the hell's going on, prepares you in a weird way to say, I'm going with whatever. Oh, 100%. I mean, everywhere that I go, I had to learn how to adapt Mm -hmm. because I was always ill-equipped. You know, I, I, I wasn't speaking English very fluently when I first started going to preschool. So for me, I... You know, I was trying my best, but I had to learn English pretty quickly. And then I had to learn how to make friends. And, and, and you know, friends were like, oh, this guy's weird, you know. And so I had to figure out ways to quickly get in to, right. to people's, like, center right. of, like, who they are. And that 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 worked pretty well. I think uh, eventually, like, you just get, a, you know, it's all about your rep. Even, like, in the entertainment industry, it was like, hey, you know, your reputation, it, it says a lot about how you can like, get hired. It's it's, <laughs> yeah. it's It kind of goes back then, too, in school. It's like if you work on, you know, being someone who's helpful and funny and joking all the time and slightly ornery, but, like, you know, with a good good intentions, that's your rep, and, and it helps. It goes a long way with friends. Yeah. I've always maintained comedy is not a hobby. It's a defense mechanism that's learned very, it's a survival mechanism that you learn very early. It's totally true. You learn it very early and then you forge your whole life around it. And then someone later on in the process, people go, oh, we'll give you a check for that. And you go, what? It's like, no. I've been using that to stay alive. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Are you sure? (laughs) This is what kept me from being beaten by those hooligans. Oh my God. So many fights averted. 
you you moved to Great Falls, Montana, and I love this because the cover of your book, and I want people to get this book, but it's it's the kookiest just for the co- cover, guys. It's the kookiest <laughs> book cover I've ever seen. It's your your head floating majestically, disembodied uh-huh. above uh, the uh, it looks like the falls it's in the, Great Falls, Montana. Yeah, it's the Anaconda Hydroelectric Dam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I'm mad at you because I need to write my autobiography. You do. There's a lot of pressure on me to write it, and my idea was my head floating above a hydroelectric dam oh, somewhere no. in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. I got you. Yeah, Western yep. Midwest, and so I'm screwed. Thank uh, you. WMW. That's it. <laughs> That's fine. There's there's a couple more ideas you can use. Did you encounter uh, racism when you were a kid when showing up in this environment? For sure. Some of it I kind of chose to not acknowledge, mm-hmm. you know, just to just keep doing my thing. But definitely there were like full on, you know, I got chased by some guys in a pickup truck with a BB gun, yeah. you know, like and I was like trying to hide from them and stuff for a while. That was fun. Um, but, you know, really while it was happening, I was like, oh, this is what it's like. Just kidding. You no, I, oh, no. <laughs> like, like, this is a valuable experience. <laughs> okay, cool. So this Wait, is what it's like. did you look to a camera that this wasn't is, there? Yeah, totally, totally. I did. I, was like, I said, are we still rolling? I just yeah. yelled up to the sky or whatever. Although terrifying, <laughs> yeah, terrifying. running from these racists is a valuable experience. I'll was, probably learn it from it. Great. Well, back to running. <laughs> I know, back to running again. And I don't even like running. No, I mean, there, there were, I think there were, I remember my gym teacher, I don't know if, it was in the book or not, but there was my gym teacher. He and I had this weird, like, I just didn't like him. He didn't like me. And I remember walking to the gym and he was in the hallway before going into the gymnasium. And it was just he and I, and he, and he kind of pulled me aside and he was like, I want you to know that you're not fit to eat with pigs. And then, and then, and then I just looked at him. I was like, thank you so much. And then I walked away and it was like people saying stuff like that to me. I was like, what are you doing? Like for me, it wasn't so much like, oh, I feel hurt by it. It's mostly I was just, I was going like, what are you doing? Well, it's interesting. I mean, first of all, that's horrible. But at the same time, what makes sense about it is that you're refusing to even honor it. You're refusing to, (laughs) thank you so much. Yeah, totally. Good good talk. (laughs) You got it out. And then you you keep moving and you're totally denying that person (laughs) their anger, their rage, whatever is going to give their feet purchase on the ground, which in a way is genius. I identify, the aspect I identify with is the non-confrontational aspect. Right. I was always very light on my feet. And if people didn't like me or thought I was weird or was coming after me for one for one of a thousand reasons, yeah. I, I wouldn't stand my ground and go, oh yeah, what are you gonna do about it? <laughs> I would say 35 things that kind of confuse them, yes. behave in a strange and way, <laughs> and then sort of drift through the wall. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, uh, and I, I'm not, I don't know. I, I, I'm not advocating that approach in life because there's part of me that wishes that in the movies, what you do is you kiss your fist and punch them across the room. You get your goddamn hands off of my Yeah. (laughs) What would happen to me is I would kiss my fist and then fall in love with my fist. And then start tonguing them. And then you would fudge it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I would fudge the shit out of that fist. You know, it's only a matter of time 
until your check engine light comes on, which could equal an expensive repair bill. And a new engine can cost up to $6,000. Don't I know it. But this is why you need this product I'm about to mention right now. Okay. CarShield. Mm. CarShield offers plans with low monthly rates that you can pay for your expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. It's so nice to have that protection of CarShield. I know. I believe. That's my belief. Some people have other beliefs, maybe religious beliefs. I think CarShield. CarShield plans... <laughs> Provide protection <laughs> on up to 5,000 major parts and systems, including items like transmission, mm. engine, even your entertainment system. Mm. Just call CarShield and choose the mechanic to do the work. CarShield administrators will handle the rest and save you money. Look, I saw your car today. You've got a beautiful car, but you've got to haul your family around in this yeah. car. This is a vital piece of machinery for you. You need CarShield. I do. And you know I, you know I don't take care of my cars very well. So CarShield would definitely come in. You know, and also with their A rating from the BBB, don't ask me, CarShield is the name you can trust to save you money on covered auto repairs. Now's the time to make the smart choice to protect yourself from the sky-high auto repair bills. Visit carshield.com slash Conan. Save 20% today. Again, that's carshield.com slash Conan to save 20%. Visit carshield.com slash Conan to lock in your price today. way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. Okay. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone <laughs> cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's <laughs> happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, and you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. Yeah. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not oh. with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, all right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. <laughs> If most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah, that's not. That's more people than are on Earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. <laughs> 
That's one over 1 billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Mm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. My highest compliment I can pay to you is that you are impossible to categorize because you're, it's like, he's a musician. Yeah. Well, he's a band leader. Well, but he's also, he's a comedian, Yeah, but he's also an artist, but he's also a performer, but he's also a prankster. It's like, <laughs> which I think is, is great. You're, it's like you, you refuse to be categorized. But music must have come to you very early, I would think. Music, I think music is the secret weapon. I think I think for me growing up, I, I loved music. My parents loved music. They listened to it. My dad was a huge jazz head. Mm -hmm. um, and my mom and he like shared their love of jazz, but also specifically like uh, more funk, like like uh, James Brown and mm -hmm. things, things of that nature. And my mom loved folk music, like, you know, Nana Muscuri and those, those types of Edith Piaf and those types mm -hmm. of singers, um, Julio Iglesias. And so I was around so much music. Ray Charles was someone I gravitated to as a kid. I loved watching the way that he moved when he played mm -hmm. piano. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and weird, for some weird reason, Elvis Presley, I was like a huge, my first record was an Elvis Presley record. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I was impressed with the press. But um, he was, uh, you can, that's, that's trademarked. You will no have to meet that. <laughs> no one's ever said that about Elvis Presley. No one's. Ever. And everything's been said about him. I know, totally. And no one's ever said, I'm impressed with the press. <laughs> <laughs> I feel fondly for the Lee. Lee? Press Lee. What? Lee for the Lee. Fondly for the Lee. What the fuck? <laughs> I told you. What did you... No, uh, no I mean... <clears throat> But discovering music, like my parents saw me, like on my, I would, I would be like bedside, mm -hmm. pretending to be Ray Charles. I, I was a mimic as yep. far back as I can remember, and they saw me doing that, and they got me this toy piano, and I was playing on the toy piano a lot. And then as soon as we moved to Montana, I think at age like five and a half or something like that, I went into um, uh, classical piano training, mm -hmm. and took to it pretty well and I loved but I was also social so for me it was like oh I get to be with all these kids and like oh, I'll, I'll learn music but what about all these kids you know mm -hmm. the music was fascinating but um really I think that's what creates that adaptability because for me the one thing I always tell all my artist friends where they're like you know I'm doing this one thing but I'm not sure I'm thinking about maybe doing painting I'm like those are just extensions of yourself it's like if you imagine yourself as like a person sitting on a, on a floor and you're surrounded by all these different medium tools. You can rotate to any position and pick one. It's like the, the core is always right. the same. You're the creator. Pick different tools, but you've got the most important part, which is like, I have an idea of something I want to do. And so for me, I think music enabled that because I would be on the playground. It would save me if, you know, people would be like, oh, they'd be hostile towards me and I would start singing like, Olivia Newton-John or something. Let's get physical. And they'd be like, oh, See, that's I a good song. I tried that and I was, again, savagely beaten. <laughs> yeah, were you? Were yeah. Let's make yeah. the right Let's song. Let's get physical, <laughs> physical. <laughs> okay. I know, I know how to stop these hooligans. Sure thing, O'Brien. Yeah. How about this for physical? Yeah. 
Hey, O'Brien, we're going to beat the shit out of you. No, I don't think so, sir. For I'm about to sing a classic tune by Olivia Newton-John. What the fuck? Oh, you'll see. Let's get physical, physical. When I awoke in the ICU, (laughs) there's not one unbroken bone in his body. Mm. Uh, True, though. True. That bully was Olivia Newton-John. I, 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 I was just imagining what the bullies. What was she doing at the playground? <laughs> just imagining the bullies going like, is that all of them? It's like, I don't know. I actually, no, I think this this pinky is like, okay, yeah, there's now one we're more. done. Get out of here. Masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> These are bullies that really took their job seriously. And if they found out later on that there was an unbroken pinky, they were like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you got to respect your craft. It's a warranty. <laughs> Did the teachers just watch this happen too? Or they joining oh, in? Oh, they would sell seats. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, these... O'Brien, left uppercut. O'Brien, watch out. There's another beating of O'Brien. Everyone to the north side of the parking lot. Roger that. We're suspending all lessons for the day. <laughs> the SAT has been canceled. The PSAT has been canceled. No one's going to college. <laughs> Goodyear Blimp passes. It's already got, like... <laughs> messaging about me. The Conan beating. You know what else can take a beating? A Goodyear tire. I know, totally. Yeah, yeah. Soft, soft focus, hard on the tire. So it's funny. You're also, uh, you're so influenced, you're so influenced by uh, pop culture at this time too because you're a sponge and, yeah. and, and uh, you are uh, watching television, you're watching movies, and you're picking up on comedy. What stuff are you watching? What are you loving? Man, I would. Well, we were kind of speaking earlier uh, about um, uh, the Pink Panther. Pink Panther movie with Peter Sellers. Yes. And my my dad and I would watch those, and I remember probably the most intense laughter I ever had with my father that I can remember is Peter Sellers doing that bit where he's on the uh, parallel bars. I'm talking. About, I've I've talked about the same thing. Oh my god! I swear to God, this is in my. This is in my, if I'm only left with eight images in yes, my brain right. before I die, okay, I'll reserve some for my two children and my wife. Okay. I'll give them three Good spots. <laughs> uh, but then the rest is going to be, and one of them is going to be Peter Sellers on the parallel bars yep. upstairs. Upstairs. In the mansion. Next to, next to a flight of stairs going down. Yes. Dismounts <laughs> and with a graceful dismount and falls down the stairs. Look this up on YouTube or wherever you want to see it. He's because he's so poppy. He's like, ah, is it parallel bars? I I did this at the Lyceum, you know, and he gets on them and he's doing and then he dismounts and then and crashes into the room where the staff has been assembled for his questioning. And my favorite thing is he enters a room with all of his dignity and authority stripped because he just fell down a slide of stairs, but immediately stands up. Yes. And well, we'll just. My yeah, that that scene when that was happening because I mean, you're just watching it and going, yeah. okay, sure, all right, <laughs> swinging back and forth, that's great, yeah. all right, cool. And was that so you done with your Salisbury steak? Uh, you know, and then and then that happens, and like my dad and I lost it. We were, we were laughing for for quite quite a while. That's so funny because those I would go to the movie theater when those movies would come out, and I would go, my family would go, my father would go, and that's where I would. You always pay attention to, and this is what I can relate to is I would watch my dad. Like if my dad was laughing really hard, uh, that was because when you're a kid, 
And sometimes you're not sure how you're going to connect with your dad. True. I think times have changed a little yeah, bit. Yeah. But yeah, that's true. if at all you feel that I don't quite know how to connect with this guy, he can seem remote. Sometimes I'm grumpy and I'm he's scared. He's at work a lot. And then when you see him laughing really hard at that, uh, at a moment in a Pink Panther movie like that, yeah. uh, I, it, that was that there's no coincidence that later on you find out, huh, I'm in comedy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. This is my way of connecting to people. 100%. My dad, my, and my dad was like a very strange guy. You know, he was like very quiet because he was a war vet. And he was obviously more animated when I was younger. Um, um, but he, it was just like few and far between. Like those were our moments to connect. It was really humor. Him laughing at me, like doing something dumb or whatever, or like hiding peas, you know, like in my pocket when they weren't looking and then like him discovering it and then just like laughing about it. Like those types he, of things. He, not to, but yeah. it's in your book. Yeah. He had PTSD. He, he did, had yeah. a lot of trauma from, from serving. He had been in Vietnam, is that he right? He had been in Vietnam. He hadn't seen like a ton of action, but he did see some action um, towards the end of his second uh, round mm. in Vietnam. And so I think... Uh, you know, all that stuff catches up to you, even if you're not like on the front line, even if you're on the base. And I mean, like he was, I think he was on a base and had gotten notice that they were surrounded and that the, that, uh, the Vietnamese were, were closing in on this base. And so everybody was arming up and getting ready. And then mm. there was a, then, then there was a notice that said the war was over. Yeah. So it didn't happen. But right, I mean, right. I couldn't imagine the stress of just like this impending thing. And you're like, I don't know what's, I don't right. know how this is going right. to turn out. The, all of that definitely got to him. And and so, I mean, that, I will say that unlike some of my friends who've had difficult times with their fathers, I think he did the best he could Yeah, with what he had, like, yeah. really, you know, and who knows, he was ill prepared for that. And he also didn't have any help. There was like nobody going like, well, you've got shell shock. Let's let's sit down and talk about it. Right. It, that was more esoteric or it was more for people that were a little bit more forward thinking. My mom was always like, go in the basement and yell, you know, and he would he just wouldn't do any of that stuff. He'd just kind of be silent and yeah. hang out in the dark at 2 a.m. So but you could connect to him through comedy and through music. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think he wasn't like a guy that was like, I'm really proud of you, son. He didn't do that. But you kind of knew. When, when I, I knew when he dug something or he would just be like, oh man, this guy's crazy. Or, you know, he would shake his head and have this grin on his face. And I knew that that was him going like, I don't know what this guy is, but I like him. <laughs> what's, what's interesting to me is that you were in a legit band when you start to discover, I can kind of do comedy using the same tools. I mean, your repertoire is you can play all these different instruments, but also by messing around with pedals, getting different sounds going, uh, um, you're able to start to make something and, and repeating uh, phrases. And it's, it's, it's really cool to watch you put it all together. But when do you start to figure that out? And do the members of the legitimate band get irritated oh, that you're doing that? Do you know oh, what I mean? Massively irritated. Uh, yes. Uh, people would be annoyed with me doing comedic bits. Because, you know, I did comedy in high school. We had competitive drama. So we got to I got to do humorous solo the first year. And it was just very strange to just get on a tour bus. Here's $40 for the weekend and two nights at a hotel. And good luck competing against other students from around the state in a weird high school on a weekend 
you know, and so, but it was great because you'd meet all these other drama kids that are all a bunch of weirdos, you yep. know, so they're just like doing these crazy monologues and you're like, okay, great. And what am I going to do? I don't know. But my teacher was like, hey, you can do whatever you want. It's okay if you want to improvise. And then I would improvise. So I think all of that. And then actually stand, I tried out for a stand-up competition in high school and won it. And it was like 300 bucks or something like that. And immediately bought like a shit ton of weed, um, <laughs> for my friends. My friends were like, great, you won. Do you want to buy some weed? Like immediately. It's like, not about like you were great up there and you won. It's like, you got, we got money now. You want to get some, you did good at the <laughs> weed winning competition. Yeah, just like, you weed. the stand-up thing, whatever. <laughs> yeah, totally. But the weed. the weed procuring thing went well. I did. I did good with weed, but like, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's, started creeping back in because you know i i have a hyperactive imagination and when i'm on stage and i I'm, i hear a sound or like someone says something and that immediately le links to some other silly thing and i can't help it after a while you know I, there were times i i understood it i mean you know you're you don't you're the drummer back there you don't have a mic and you're like what the fuck is this guy doing you know like i i right. get it it was right. i i wasn't like you guys should under, understand me but uh there were definitely moments when i felt them going like would you just can we just play the next song like yes right. that's a good idea let's play the next song when did you decide all right this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go out on my own and i'm going to use this tech that I have and my improvisational skills and my wits, and I'm going to make this musical mashup of music comedy. When does that happen? I mean, that happened, I think, when I was about 31, mm -hmm. 32. Um, I, I was uh, in my band Mocktube, which was a really amazing band to be a part of, mm -hmm. a great band. Um, but we had been, I think we'd been together for five years, and we'd gone through a bunch of hype cycles with labels and, and like, you know, execs coming out, Jimmy Iovine coming out to watch us and like doing showcases in LA and stuff like that, Viper Room. And um, it would, we'd almost, almost something would happen. And then we'd go back to like, oh, they passed or whatever. And then we would work on another record or something like that. And, uh, and I just wasn't seeing it evolving beyond, you know, the third time that we'd gone through that. So, um, and I was doing comedy and then I saw, uh, what are they called? The, Please, uh, Michael Showalter, Michael Ian Black. Oh, the state? David yeah, the Wayne. state. Uh, not oh, the state. Stella. Stella. Yeah, mm -hmm. I was post-state. I, I learned about state later, but I saw Stella, and I was like, what is this? Those DV, those little shorts shot on DV. Yep. And I was like, this is my humor. These guys know how meaningless things are, and like, and, and that's so beautiful. And so I identified with that, and then they ended up, oh, I think Wet Hot American Summer came out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I saw that, and I was like, totally like oh that's yes i want to do that you know i was so driven and inspired by those things and then they happened to come to town uh, stella did come to town i met eugene merman and i was introduced by a friend and and he was like we have a comedy night in new york you know and then i ended up writing with a band and they needed me in new york for the writing session for a month so while i was there i did a couple spots that invite them up and instant friends with everybody that's great it was like being in high school again i mean when some of my younger friends or younger artists are like uh, you know how did you how do you make it and you know how did you <laughs> basically that's like the the question but how do you make it and i'm like well I, I don't know you don't have to worry about making it like what you have to make is the thing that you love to do yes and do that yeah. you know i always tell people like if you wake up in the morning and you can't not think of, be thinking about a bit and if you're always doing bits like that's that's kind of what you are yeah you're not going to change that so you might as well make a career out of it no i i i always maintain that i've my career is me doing what i'd be doing anyway and then i was fortunate to find some people 
who had money who and and owned the machinery who were like well you can do it for us uh but it, yes. it it's <laughs> the dirty little secret is that if they said well we're done and we're taking away all the equipment i'd say okay well, back to my bits. Yeah, and... <laughs> here are my old bits. Like you just open up this yeah, closet, whatever, like, and I would are. just do it in an, in an empty field. Yes. And I think, uh, and totally. a, and a, you know, whatever a passing dove would say, that seems sad. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's not aging well. <laughs> he sure isn't. Who are you, Mister Turtle? Um, well, they didn't know you could talk. <laughs> everyone, everyone tries. And everyone it just talks. becomes this whole thing about how they can't yeah. believe each other can talk. Yeah. You're like, but my bits. But my bits. <laughs> We're finding out we can talk. <laughs> and you're obsessed with your bits, Conan. Yeah, but but here's my bit about Ronald Reagan. You know. <laughs> well, 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 well. Well, that's not interesting enough. So how did you learn to talk? (laughs) Toadstool? (laughs) How could the toadstool not like my Reagan bit? Um, You you write in the book that uh, because uh, you, I noticed that uh, just in tour that the uh, women are quite taken with uh, Mr. Reggie Watts. And then you, you write in the book that you're, your uh, your dream girl is Pippi Longstocking. <laughs> oh, me too. Really, Gorley? I, I Go had ahead. a huge crush on Inger Nilsson, the original. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, also the concept, but yes, yes. she was great. Okay. She was great. She was a great embodiment yeah. of it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and Inger called. Uh, stop writing her letters. <laughs> well, no, but because of this show, they interviewed me for a Pippi documentary. No! So we talked about it on here, and they sent me a signed uh, vinyl with Inger, Tommy, and Annika. What? Yeah. Wait, who are the other two? Tommy and Annika. Okay. <laughs> Can you fill in just for people that are listening and had some sort of a childhood? What people want to know who the other two are. Tommy well, and Annika are like her normal kid sidekicks. Okay. Yeah, 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 That's all we needed to yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're friends. They're part of the crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But she's amazing. She's she's amazing. She yeah. was super strong. Uh-huh. She had a basement full of treasure. Yeah. So she had unlimited funds. Yeah. She could travel anywhere. She could lift a horse. She had. A, she could lift a horse. She could. You know. She had. She was magical. She had like you know red hair. I'm a half redhead. Uh, you know. I. She. She had. She had pigtails that were magical and mm-hmm. like she had cool style. Yeah. I'm having such a sense memory right now. I'm in my grandfather's small house in uh, in Misquamacut, Rhode Island. And there's a Pippi Longstocking movie that comes on, and this might have been with Inger. I'm sure. And it was, and back then, there's For only sure. three channels. This TV in Misquamacut, Connecticut, near the State Beach, doesn't get many of much reception of anything. So you'd see the same thing over and over again. And they were running a a, a commercial for the Pippi Longstocking movie. Yeah. And there was just one line that rang in my head, which is a weird overdubbed. Someone, I think, so, overdubbing, overdubbed. like yeah, it's, because it was Swedish. It's and Swedish. Her accent would change from film to film. She would yeah. have just like a transatlantic, and then some films she'd just be like, "I'm from Brooklyn. I'm Pippi Longstocking." Oh, you wow. know? Well, that, okay. So what I remember, you tell me if this at all rings a bell. Is she's lifting a horse? She's running super fast, like at 100 miles an hour, and they've just sped up her legs. She's doing all these crazy things, and then they just cut to a very European weird kid, and it looked like poor quality film stock. Who goes, Pippi? Are you crazy? Yeah, that's. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I remember seeing that and going, "What? The, what kind of movie is this?" You summed it up. My grandfather, a retired policeman, would say, "Turn that crap off." <laughs> Pippi, are you crazy? <laughs> wow. So, so but they're why? using clips from this podcast in that documentary because we talked about it. Well, time. we're going to talk about it more now. I know. <laughs> and um, 
Where's my cut, by the way? I want a piece of that. Yeah. Pippy money's mm, here. Pippy money. Give me that long stocking. I want in on that long stocking money. So uh, what is it about Pippy long stocking? You first and then you, Matt. What is it? Um, I think I, I don't know. I guess I like that she was like fully independent. You know, like she ran her own operation and she she ran her own operation. She just went on adventures. She was just like going on adventures all the time because that's uh-huh. what she was. Her grandfather was a pirate or something. Her father was a pirate and but no longer in the picture. And then, you know, and had like this gang of kids. And I don't know. I just I had a huge crush on her. I thought that she was hot. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I think Superman was always the ideal when you're a kid. But Pippi was kind of a little bit more realistic. Her parent left her dad left yeah, her alone that's right just to live in this house called villa villa kula and he yeah. just goes and sails the seas and i had a huge crush on her too yeah, yeah. i think she was maybe like blondie and pippy were my first two oh my crushes yeah blondie was pretty amazing yeah they're a little different but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah or you know what uh actually uh dale bozio oh yeah wait who's from berlin uh no or no from missing, uh, missing persons? persons yes that's right yeah yeah band she, uh, woman, she's like, yeah, she looked like Blondie, kind of, right? She kind of, well, she kind of looked like a cross between Blondie and that people are gonna kill me, but like a cross between, and um, and who's the dude from Twisted Sister? Oh, D. Snyder, D. Snyder. Yeah. A, like a tiny yeah. bit, like a hair, like, like, like oh, 5%. I have a huge crush on D. Oh, Snyder. <laughs> there you go, yeah, that's my idea. There you go, yeah, no, um, uh, that's interesting. No, Blondie hit really hit big my freshman year of high school, and I remembered her just being the ideal. Like, oh, that's the sexiest. And she still is. Yeah, she's yeah. for God's sake. She's yes. the most she's the sexiest, coolest woman alive. We need no. to get Blondie and Pippi on this podcast. Yeah. And have them fight. <laughs> yeah. But Pippi would probably win. Uh, yeah. yeah she'd start yeah. beating Blondie and I'd go, Pippi, are you crazy? Sixteen <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> millimeter. <laughs> Stored improperly. Okay, here's another yeah. huge influence on you, and you mentioned it in the book, the Ferris Bueller, Ferris Bueller's uh, oh, day yeah. off. You, you, uh, yes, huge. that was a huge influence on you because he broke the fourth wall. That was, yeah, that was mind blowing. I mean, it was. So, I mean, what one of the smartest moves of a of a movie script mm-hmm. ever. I think. I mean, sure, not the first movie, but definitely of those coming of age films, which I was all about. I just liked all the things that he accomplished in a day. I mean, it was insane. And like, is he going to make it? You know, all that rascally principle, you know, and his sister is kind of badass. You know, like there was so many adventurous things and it, well, it only took place in a day. And then at the end, like him or just once in a while throughout the movie, too. But like looking at the camera, I was like, that is so cool. I love that. Like we're in on it. Like mm-hmm. he's like he's experiencing that reality for us. And also it's very hard to do because it can be done badly. Yes. And of course, uh, John Hughes and Matthew Broderick, that they, yes. just, they did it perfectly. Perfectly. Yeah, it was just like, prag- it was practical. It's kind of a perfect movie. It's yeah. a, it's totally a perfect movie. I, I've i watched it, you know, some 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 of those movies are like, Ugh. but um, just moments of it are kind of, you know, breakfast club. This is totally aside and random, but I was down uh, in uh, Venice uh, in here in California with David Hopping. Like a week and a half ago, and we wander into a store, and I'm chatting with the guy who runs the store, and he says uh, to a woman there who's also working there, this very attractive woman who's probably in her early 20s or mid-20s, and he says to her, I I can't remember her name, but he says like, you know, Syria, Syria, tell Conan your story, tell her your story. And she comes over kind of sheepishly because she's being forced to, and she says, um, my parents 
are the parents on Ferris Bueller? What? And I said, what, what do you mean? And she said, the, the two actors that play the mother and the father on Ferris Bueller, they met on that movie what? and they're my parents. Oh my God. And then the guy at the store is like, isn't that crazy? Oh, and at this my. point I feel like I have to buy something. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, they met on that movie and then she is their child and uh, she is drop dead gorgeous, oh by the way. Oh my God. Yeah, wow. yeah, and very nice and very cool. But I just thought, wait a minute, are you just, are you insane that you think because when you think of people who are playing a couple in a movie, yeah. you right. never think. No. And she said, no, they met on that movie and then uh, had me. She's the real life oh Bueller. God. She is the real life Bueller. Oh God. Yeah. She's that was a cool story. She's real Bueller. That's crazy. Does she ever just randomly stop in the middle of the street and just turn to a camera that's not there? <laughs> well, I was. Get a load of me. Yeah. Yeah. She did while I was talking oh, to no her. Oh, no way. Yeah. She turned to a camera that wasn't there yeah. and said. I meet a lot of celebrities at this store here, uh, you know, in, uh, in near Venice Beach. Uh, Conan, kind of bottom of the, of the pile. <laughs> but you know what? You got to pretend to be excited. And then she turned back to me. Well, you were still there? I was still there. Oh, man. And I said, that's rude. And then she turned back to a different camera and said, and who knew he could hear me? Multicam. Yeah, the, multicam. The fifth wall. Yeah. She, yeah, broke, the fifth wall. she broke the fifth wall. She that's... broke so many walls, the roof it's collapsed. easy to do. Yeah. Oh my God. She's living in a hypercube. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, I don't know her name, but shout out to her. And, no uh, kidding. Very, and, and very lovely, cool person. So I'll glad just put to that know out that. There. That's yeah. fucking mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love, yeah, I love Bueller. Bueller is great. But also, I love Weird Science. Weird Science was huge. Like, Weird Science. Weird Science is so insane. So insane. Because <laughs> I'm sorry, but the premise is crazy. The so premise crazy. is crazy. It's because I remembered seeing that. This is how old I am. I saw that in the theater. As uh -huh. an adult who yep. could choose to purchase or yes. not purchase a ticket. <laughs> yes. And I went with Craig Daniels because we were both writers and we had you know, no girlfriends. Big surprise. We're living out here in L.A. and this movie comes out weird science. And we think, well, let's go to Westwood and watch it. To learn how to make a girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we both need to make a girlfriend, clearly, because no one we meet wants to talk to us. So we go to this theater and these two guys just basically, I think, cut out a bunch of pictures from magazines. Yes. And feed them into a what? A supercomputer. Yeah. A supercomputer. And a ball, right? computer. Then they, a brassiere. Yeah, then a brassiere. Yeah, yeah. Then I a think. A Barbie doll. The, the out. For, and, and there's a Barbie doll. And then I think because they run a cable to the roof and lightning hits yep. it, that makes Kelly LeBron. That's true. <laughs> That's, yeah. yeah now, but they designed I, her on the computer. <laughs> yeah. No, right. but I was like, the leaps people were making with, you know, if you take a personal computer and there's a lightning storm yep. and you have a bra yeah. and some dolls around, yeah. you Mostly can make the Kelly LeBra. Yeah, computers yeah, so. are still like uh, fancy enough that you couldn't pin it down for a while. Oh, could it do that? Yeah, what? I know. Yeah. People just didn't question it. Yeah. They're like, no, no. That'll happen. I guess that can happen with a computer and a lightning storm <laughs> if they both well, happen at the same both. time. It's very hard. So, you know, those kids got lucky in that movie. I, I remember that happening and being uh, like a 22 year rolled in the theater and just saying, okay, I guess I really don't understand computers. <laughs> you, 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 I'm, glad, I'm glad that that But myself and my yeah, writing partner, we went out that night, we bought an apple. <laughs> we bought and seven Barbies. Yeah. And you're still waiting. And uh, Greg was electrocuted. <laughs> no LeBrock. <laughs> Here he is, electrocuted, LeBrockless. <laughs> The police, the firefighters showed up, and all they said when they saw us, we were both smoldering, was trying to make a LeBrock, huh? <laughs> a lot of that lately.
We got two more nerds on Barrington trying to make a LeBrock. <laughs> you two stop LeBrocking around. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Enough LeBrocking, you idiots. <laughs> All the power surges going in these different nerd areas of town. <laughs> then, some, then some shadow creature emerges in the background. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, that show was. I mean, also it had Mad Max vibes in it. It had oh, like, yeah. I mean, it had every. It was so mm-hmm. crazy. It was, the guy from Mad Max. Yeah, the guy from Mad yeah. Max was in it. Um, it was insane. But but the crazy thing was that my first girlfriend was was English, mm-hmm. and she was uh, she was a she was a model for oh. like um, like teen like nightwear or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so she came from London because her mother married a uh, an Air Force guy, and so my first girlfriend was like this English brunette model i was like this is how's this even possible like right. i was just watching weird science you and now my first girlfriend is this the, it was very very weird right and and i was very insecure about it because i was like there's no way the whole time there's no way there's no you know it's like which is not the right attitude and when you're saying that out loud and you're with her <laughs> there's no way <laughs> no way can't touch your shoulder oh there's no way no there's way. no way <laughs> no why you're having sex there's just no way there's just no way no way there's no way you're totally leaving me. Can we at least finish this first? Baby born. Where? There's no way. How? My new book, How? My life with the real Kelly LeBrock. It's like, what? I love that you uh, you have also had a Seattle period, which I, I totally get because you went to Seattle to, you wanted to experience creativity, randomness, so you just decided I'm going to Seattle. Yeah. And uh, cloud cover that's about six inches above yeah, the yeah, roof line of any house. Yeah, it's, it's about like max 100 feet. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, um, I mean, it was the biggest city closest to Great Falls. I mean, yeah. you, you could drive you could drive there in 13 hours, which for Montanans, that's, that's like, that's, that's, like, that's wow. double that's tri- the usual. That, that's a trip to <laughs> CVS. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, oh, you got to go through Mountain Pass, got to take your time, though. There is a shortcut through, uh, uh, through Lolo, but don't worry about it. You know, just keep going straight. <laughs> right, right. Black ice patches reportedly on the, <laughs> but, but like, two-wheel drive right now. But, um. Yeah, I mean, it, it was close enough, and then and then I got lucky. You know, I was just I've been lucky everywhere I've moved, but like I moved there in 1990. It was just before grunge was going to explode, and so I was living, you know, like with a bunch of weirdos in a house as a band, and like that shit blew up. And I was a huge Soundgarden fan. Cool. Um, and seeing all of that explode, and and then see the industry move into that town so fast with all these satellite offices looking for the next new thing and then four new because when i moved there there were two venues to play at that was it it was like two venues nighttime hardly any cars driving around the streets right. it was so dead it was such a small town um vibe anyways and uh, and then within a period of about three years it completely changed it was insane and then coffee was like espresso culture was born there. oh my lord my uh my wife is from seattle and i got married there and it's my it's my you know, home away from home because we we go there. Just when I was first dating my wife, I'd say like, oh, you know, let's go get some coffee. And she's, we are not going in there because she was like a sommelier yes. of coffee. Yep. Oh no, they burn the coffee there. Well, what about we could go in this place? No, we're not going there either. I'll tell you where we're going to get coffee. And she would take me to the one place mm-hmm. that made the coffee just right. Yep. And I couldn't taste the difference. Oh my God. Oh my <laughs> and God. I still can't taste the difference. I, I mean, I, 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 after... I grew up on Sanka, you know, like I didn't know <laughs> no, the Sanka's difference. good enough. I, I'd take Sanka over Starbucks any day. But mm-hmm. like, I, I, it was a crazy time to be there. And we were, pl- I mean, 
mean, we played uh, Jeff Bezos's parties. I played like two of his parties, like met him like, but, like in 1995, 1996. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Saw uh, Bill Gates, you know, like a restaurant that I used to go to. You know, like it was, it was really weird to have all those worlds uh, you know, these ripples that are now affecting our entire everyday lives, so but being there in that moment, when playing a party like that just sounds crazy. It always reminds me of, I did not, uh, I wrote on the script, but I didn't write it, this joke, but there was a great Simpsons joke that, uh, one of the writers came up with, which Mr. Burns is having a birthday party. And of course, Smithers is trying to make it the perfect party for him. So, well, and at one point he, and he books the Ramones to play for Mr. Burns and the Ramones, they got the actual Ramones to go like, nah, 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 happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, happy birthday to you. And then Joy, they drop their instruments and Joey Ramone just goes, happy birthday, you old bastard, and walks off and they cut to Mr. Burns and he says to Smithers, have the Rolling Stones killed. <laughs> and... And and Smithers says, uh, "Sir, that's not the Rolling Stones." And he says, "Do it!" And so Smithers leaves. <laughs> and it's always loved the joke that somewhere the Rolling Stones are being killed in that world because yeah. that old man and because, misidentified. Oh my god! Have the Rolling. And I think about that all the time that's when so I imagine me playing or having to do anything at one of those parties. If I was, you know, on the David Geffen yacht <laughs> and told a story or did some kind of comedy thing, I could just see Geffen leaning over to someone and saying, have the Rolling Stones killed? <laughs> yeah, have Gallagher destroyed? <laughs> Sir, that's not Gallagher. Do it! <laughs> have Carrot Top murdered? <laughs> Sir, that's not... Do it! <laughs> all these, have all Jane Lynch... <laughs> that's, sir. Oh, no. uh, all these that's a man, that's not Jane. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, just going through. Uh, listen, uh, Mr. Reggie Watt, uh, it was a, I've been blessed many times in my life, but the day that uh, you uh, signed on to be my opening act and I got to go on that crazy adventure with you and then we became Amazing. friends was a great, great day for me and I'm blessed to know you. Keep me in your life and uh, let's do something together again. Let's I would love it. to do that. Let's do that. Let's open a store that sells something nobody wants. Yes. Oh my God. And see how and... long it takes to not sell anything. <laughs> and we'll get the woman in Venice who oh is my the, God! Yeah. She'll, she'll the manage. Parents, she'll manage. And it'll be called. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Ferris Bueller's parents do have a child. Ferris Bueller's half off. <laughs> or T. <laughs> you idiot. T. T. R. F. B. I admire that. <laughs> Ferris Bueller's half off. Uh, all right, Mr. Reggie Watts, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Have a nice day. Have a nice week. And peace be with you. And peace be with you. <laughs> We're gonna make a woman. <laughs> It's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. 
Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it. Just take it down. I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loud speaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former Presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must-listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. We have an ongoing saga on this podcast that continues to write its own narrative. (laughs) You're a it is that terrible author. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not writing it. I'm just living it. Oh Remember God. that Jay Elmore, who runs a deli in mm-hmm. New York, mm-hmm. has taken our sandwich creations and has been selling them. And he has an update on the numbers. He's right. he's running actual science now. This okay, is good. because last time you also. You complained about the fact that I had an American flag in mine and you said that that was responsible for why I was leading sales. I think it goosed things a little bit. Okay. So because, he, uh, you know, we're a, ver- we're a patriotic people uh-huh. and um, yours had an American flag and ours had no flag. Mm. So I think that put us at a disadvantage. He took the flag out. Thank you. And started the tally again. Good. Okay. These are Jay's words. Once again, I just wanted to say you made my day with the mention of the, on the podcast. I'm so happy you guys are enjoying it. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Wilford Brimley. <laughs> yeah, you sounded Jesus. angry. Well, it's a lot of skin off your nose. No free pub. 551 sandwiches sold. Final tally so far. Sona's Euro, 172. Conan's Corned Beef, 186. Matty Melt, 193. Oh, these are all pretty close. Yes, and then it goes on. Okay. okay. He said, I will cross the 200 mark today. Conan may cross it too. He said, Maddie Melt, these are updates as they come in. Maddie Melt just hit 200. Conan is at six away. I said, stall it, take it off the menu, meaning yours. <laughs> where is this? Uh, uh, New this, York. I know, but let's be a little clear about where this place is because I'd like to make a personal appeal. I don't know where it is exactly. Isn't this EJ's Luncheonette? Yeah. yeah. I EJ's believe it's on the Upper East Side, Third Avenue between 73rd and 74th right. EJ's. Right. Uh, a, a very nice guy named Jay came out of his. Uh, his diner and said hello to me. We chatted for a little bit. That's when the idea for maybe these sandwiches came up. 
And I would just like to say that my sandwich uh, is, I believe it's uh, corned beef, mm -hmm. Russian dressing, yeah. coleslaw. It's a terrific sandwich. It's a, it's a classic. Mm -hmm. And it's called the Conan O'Brien or just the Conan? I think it's just, I'm not sure. Okay. So well, you're saying that the name recognition is important? Well, what I'm saying is I would like to win this. Oh. And so I'm talking to all my listeners now who might be oh, in, no, yeah, no, who might be no. in New York City. Just hear me out. Oh. Uh, maybe give my sandwich a try. No. Go there and order it. And then if you see me around New York City, I'm there a lot. Just mention, I had your sandwich, Conan. And maybe uh, you get a little quick hug and a selfie. That's all. Okay. Oh my God. You can't yeah. use the bully pulpit like that. Yeah. You, you have to give equal time to us. I don't yeah. know what kind of cash I'll have on me, but uh, I don't carry a lot of cash. I'll just say that right You're now. You're going to go and just buy a ton of sandwiches. Probably. No. I, no. I feel like you gonna probably will. I'm going to have David Hopping yeah. go okay. buy a lot of sandwiches. Jay, you have to watch out for the Sona. You can make your plea for your euro. Mine is clearly the healthiest out of all oh, three of good. Oh. oh, thank you for saying that. Oh, nothing gets people into a diner like a healthy choice. Good job. Yes, if you are going to EJ's luncheonette because you're really feeling like slimming down... <laughs> Rush over and get Sona's Giro? Gyro? Gyro. Oh my I love to pretend not to know how to say it. Uh, and no, then it yours is. is what? A, a foreign sandwich, right? What? Where's no, mine's the most patriotic thing. It's called a, a Matty Melt. Yeah, what's it? What, what's it's going on a, there? It's a patty melt yeah. with Hawaiian bread. Yeah, calories, I, calories, death, death. That's, what do you mean? Cholesterol, this? fat. No, no, no. That's not the way to go Come after on, it. That let gets me people. Do it. No, that gets people into the tent. No. This is America. You forgot where you were. Yeah. But uh, it's New York. People care in New York. They walk, they're healthy, they work out, they do Hawaii yoga. became a state very late in the no, game. I've no, got, that, oh, and I'm just going to say, to, I'm, no, that's no. better. That's like the last star on the flag, that's the bread you want. Oh, what a lame uh, Go ahead. Based in New York with Hawaiian bread, I'm covering not only the continental United States, but practically Hawaii and Alaska. Oh, please, with, with corned beef, <laughs> I am covering, I mean, just all cultures. No. You know, yes. What? Yes. Uh, the the Jewish people, the Irish people, done. Uh, That's it. Seriously, oh, I'm sorry. The Greeks are responsible for our whole civilization. Are you kidding? What are you the patio sign the Constitution. Okay, first of all, what did you say the Greeks did? They they're like responsible for our like modern type of civilization. That's true. Yeah. What have they done lately? Right. Uh, Except shield bankrupt. a bunch of money. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I know. A bunch of tax shelters. Exactly, I tax shelter. They yeah. had tax shelters. You know what? Socrates uh, kept all of his money in a tax shelter. Okay, yeah. that was his big advice to his students. All right, great, <laughs> right. great. Shelter so. your money, he said. Uh, oh, well, same thing with Plato. Yeah, because well, the U.S. is doing great, you guys. What did yeah. you say? What'd yeah, you say? the U.S. is doing great. With attitudes say? like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Well, guess what? Your gyro, I think, has plummeted because it's healthy. And its inventor hates America. Right. Oh, uh, wow. I say, hey, give the Conan O'Brien a try. EJ's Isn't Luncheonette. EJ's Luncheonette. Just go on by. Check it out. The Conan O'Brien. Oh, come beef, on. Corned beef, coleslaw. Here's my message. I say, listener, eat whatever you think sounds delicious. Yeah. Be you, be you. Don't fall prey to sway. Yeah. Don't fall prey to sway. Yeah. Eat, mm -hmm. eat the meat. I Don't will... fall prey to sway. Eat the meat. I'll take a selfie with you. I'll give you a quick hello. Oh my God. Uh, I'm easy to spot in New York. If you think you see Jane Lynch wearing a red wig, that's me. If you do buy mine, you don't have to take a selfie with Conan. <laughs> <laughs> you can get out of it. All right. 
Thank you, Jay. I think we accomplished a lot there. And thanks to Jay Elmore for selling, uh, creating these sandwiches in our image. And there's a very good chance that this saga will actually have quite a resolution, possibly even in the flesh. Yes. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. More later. Why don't we get a piece of these sandwiches? Sorry. I know we ended it. <laughs> but why don't we get paid for a piece of these sandwiches? Like, we should get a check. No? Okay. No check? No. Nobody I'm, else? No, we're not doing this for money. Oh. We're what doing... are we doing it for? <laughs> Real estate. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gourley. Produced by me, Matt Gourley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Nick Liao, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Eduardo Perez. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 669-587-2847 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This is Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast, the promo, and in 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you why you should check out the show. I, the host, Scott Augerman, have a lighthearted conversation with famous celebrities like John Hamm, Allison Williams, Phoebe Bridgers, Bob Odenkirk, just to name a few. Things go a little off the rails when different eccentric characters drop by to be interviewed as well. Each week is a blend of conversations and character work from your favorite comedians as well as some new hilarious voices. Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast. Listen every Monday wherever you get your podcasts.